Grab your Bible and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be there in just a minute. 2 Peter chapter 1. The message that I bring to you today is entitled, The Most Important Thing. That's the the point of the message. That's the main point. I'm glad there's a main point, because if there was no main point, then there could be no point at all. But there's a point to what it is I'm going to share today. And In fact, this title, The Most Important Thing, it's not pastoral exaggeration. This is not struggling or stretching for a title. In fact, I think... This is really the most important thing. I believe this with all my heart, and we're going to see what Peter has to share. He's convinced that it's the most important thing for him as well. You see, in this passage of Scripture that we look at today, Peter himself is saying, I don't have much time left. I'm going to die. But in the short amount of time that I have, I, I have to say this. I have to get this across to you. I have to remind you of this again and again. That's what Peter is so focused in on what he feels is so important what he's so passionate about about passing on before he dies is in this most important thing Uh, the content of what we're going to talk about today uh, when i first grasped this for myself it changed everything for me i no longer had to go through someone else to find out what the bible had to say i no longer had to go to someone else to find out what god's will was in my life i no longer had to to hear about experiencing jesus through someone else but i could experience him for myself and and this most important thing if it was the only thing that i had ever learned i really think it would be enough i think it would be enough not just to make it somehow but to live this life victoriously and joyfully you see it shifted from when my faith was my own It's in what I had seen, what I had heard from the Lord speaking to me. And and that is yours as well. And that's what the scripture is going to call out to us in just a moment. But but I realize before we dive into the text today that it it baffles me that that there's many in our culture who, who, who don't experience this. They may call themselves a person of faith, they may call themselves a Christian, but there are many, I know, that that don't spend time reading God's Word. Oh, they may read snippets of someone else's interpretation of the Word, they may read a tweet here or there about God's Word, they may read some current author's uh, thoughts or insights on God's Word, but but to really read God's Word for themselves, many, many, many don't. Just honest, many don't. There are many, many, many people who, who never ever spend time praying in conversation with Jesus. Oh, they may recite some kind of memorized phrase or saying before they eat, kind of like to ward off, you know, food poisoning or something. I don't know why we, we, we feel this way. I, I can't eat until I say this. But, but in any real communication with God where I talk to Him and I hear from Him, there's many who don't. There's many, many who'd say, I, I don't know that I can ever hear from the Lord my and i guess i want to just start by saying i don't know how they do it i don't know how i have no idea how you could try to live for god in this world without relationship with jesus without hearing him speak to us and talking to him in prayer and spending time in his word i don't understand i don't know how it's possible i don't know why you'd ever want to try to do that now it's good don't misunderstand me it's good to hear others teach 
I'm called to teach and preach, and I'm glad that, that you see value in hearing someone preach and teach because I'm glad you're here listening. But if, if all we ever do when we hear from the Word of God is through someone else preaching or teaching, it's different. It's good to read Christian authors and the insights that they bring to us, and it can be beneficial, and that's good. And, and, and I, I'm married to an author, and I, I believe in people who are writing and give us their insights, but, but it's different than, than hearing from God yourself. See, there's, there's this truth when you get alone with God. When you and Jesus have time together, when you're in that relationship with him, more than just a prayer that you prayed somewhere, it's not just, well, I prayed a prayer instead of, you know, ritual religion, it's this relationship word, but, but biblically what the Bible talks about being in relationship with Jesus, there's, there's something that happens there that, that changes, it changes everything. And it's, it's what Peter said is the most important thing, and that time alone with Jesus, it's the only time that we're really 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 truthful it's the only place where you cannot lie you can't lie you can try to lie but it won't work you can't lie you see we can present ourselves to others any way that we'd like you know i've i've been amazed at some of your selfies We, we get real good at where to hold the camera to get the best angle for a selfie don't we come on i know i've seen it you put your chin this way you do this just makes you lose 10 pounds i know i love it it's great or or you you take it this way and you look extra smart because you just got that scholarly look on your face you know you know how to present yourself with your best foot forward it may not be in your selfie but but it, it may be in and how you talk you've learned how to phrase things a certain way that just just sounds good you learn how to pause and have a rhythm and and have the appropriate kind of hush and moment to to make it just come across that you really hunger for god or have a heart for god but when you're alone with him he knows what the last seven days were like he knows what you chose over time with him he knows how do i know because i've experienced it i sit with him and he goes brady i know your heart i know exactly what's going on that's when i'm most vulnerable that's where truth comes that's what that Peter's going to talk about, this most important thing here in just a moment. But, but that's where, where I can be the most honest. That's where I can be, be held accountable the most, where I'm grounded the most. What keeps me focused on him is, is time listening to him through his word, praying and talking and hearing from him and experiencing Jesus myself. Now, I can't think of a time in all of history where this truth that we're going to be talking about today is more important than now. It's always been important, but I can't think of a time when it's been more important than today. I'm finding, I don't know if you're finding this, but it appears to be that there are fewer and fewer and fewer people who really love to read God's Word for themselves. I'm not saying there's none. And this room is full of people who do this, but I'm just saying, it seems to me that there's fewer and fewer people who love to read God's Word. There's fewer and fewer people who, who want to be committed in prayer in a way that's conversation where they not only rattle things off to God, but they listen to what He has to say to them with ears that want to hear and obey. It seems to me that there's fewer and fewer people who really want to enter into relationship with Jesus that, that impacts not just week by week or day by day, but, but moment by moment in step with him. It seems to me that there's fewer and fewer people. And I can't think of a time that would be more important to hear this most important thing that was on Peter's heart than today. 
So with that, take your Bible or your device, navigate to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, I think it's uh, in your outline there for you. It'll be on the screen as well. Let's look at the word of the Lord together. 2 Peter 1 verse 12. Peter is speaking. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them. I just want to stop right there. I love this. If if you get bored reading the Bible, I don't know what part you're reading. This just cracks me up. I I want to remind you of these things that you already know. Do you know anybody in your life like that? Do you have anybody who wants to tell you things over and over again and you already know it? Come on, be honest. If they're sitting next to you, you don't have to like, you know, point them out or something. But, But I've got people in my life who I love who will remind me over and over and over of things that they want me to know. And I know it already. When I hear it, I want to say, I know, I got it, but, but let's read on. It didn't just stop there. Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. They not only know this, they've heard it, they're established in it, and they're following it. Give it up, Peter. Get a new message. Move on. We've heard it before. We want something new. Tell us something we don't know. I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Look at verse 13. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort... To see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. See, Peter said, I know that I will soon put aside this tent of a body. I love that language. I love that phrasing. It's a great way to think about death. He's saying, this shell that I'm in, this body, this tent, soon I'm going to step out of this shell, this tent. I'm going to put it aside and I'm going to move into eternity. That's there for somebody here today. Maybe the the nugget of truth the Lord wants to give you today is is a new way to think about death. Every person in this room, every person you lock eyes with, you don't really die. You you let go of this tent, this shell of a body, and you move into eternity. Eternity with God or eternity in separation from God. But, but, But this is just a shell for all of us. Not just like the super spiritual saint. All of us. And he says, hey, hey, I'm so aware that as long as I'm just in this silly tent of a body, while I'm here with you, I'm going to remind you of this always, over and over and over. They'd heard it. They'd responded. They were grounded in it. You see, if you're taking notes, the first thought is this. Peter knew that he only had a short time left. Verse 13 and 14 show us that that Peter knew he only had a short time left. How did Peter know? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us all the details exactly of how Peter knew He only had a short time left. But we we do read in John 21, Jesus speaking to him. So don't miss this. This is pretty cool. Okay, Peter, if you're new to the Bible, the disciple who always wanted to talk first and listen second. I love Peter. He encourages me. I feel like if God can use Peter, then maybe there's hope for me. 
and, and, and Peter was the one who said, I'll never deny you, and then denies him three times. And, and then after the resurrection, Jesus is with Peter. And remember that whole thing where he says, do you love me? And he says, do you supremely love me? And Peter says, yeah, friendship, love you. And, and, and obvious that his love was not where it needed to be. But Jesus, in essence, says, I can work with that. Care for and feed my sheep. Remember that whole thing, and they do it three times and together. This is just after that. So here's what Jesus is saying to Peter about his death. John 21, 18 and 19. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. (laughs) So get this. Peter, the one who always got himself in trouble, always said the wrong thing, but the Lord was so patient with him and and has now brought him back. And and it's been after the the, uh, resurrection. He's now speaking to him. He says, hey, Peter, remember when you were young, you could just have all the freedom, do whatever you want to. (laughs) Uh, Well, it won't be that way. There's going to come a time when you will have no freedom. There's going to be people who lead you in a way that you don't want to go. And the scripture says he was telling him of how he was going to die. And then he ends that talk with, come follow me. What a silly recruitment speech. Hey, Peter, remember how awesome it was in your youth? You could do whatever you want, wear whatever you want, go wherever you want. Yeah, it's not going to be that in your older age. You're going to die. He's, he's, he's you know, foretelling of him being, Peter being crucified. He says, you're going to die. Come follow me. That's so opposite of a popular teaching that's going around today that says, hey, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, if if you follow him, you're going to have all of this health. You will always be healthy. Everything will go the way that you want. You'll have all this wealth. You'll have all this money, everything that you ever want. Nothing will go wrong for you. Everything will be perfect because that is the will of God for you here on earth. Apparently, it wasn't the will of God for Peter. And you see, Jesus is saying, hey, It's going to cost you everything. You're going to die. Come follow me. It's going to be worth it, Peter. It's going to be worth it. It's in this reflection in his mind of the Lord talking to him, and we're not exactly sure how Jesus told him this, but he's aware that his time is short. You see, what Jesus is doing here in this John passage, it was an explanation of Peter's death the crucifixion and tradition tells us that peter was crucified and he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his lord and so he asked his executioners to turn him upside down and tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down but think about this for a minute jesus telling peter if you follow me you're going to die you're going to die a torturous death it will be worth it peter is responding now in his final days saying, it has been so worth it. Now, imagine how you would feel if God would communicate to you that you only had a few days left. You only had a short time left. I know that all of us can look in the mirror and we can say, well, I'm not any younger than I was yesterday, and so my days are shorter than they were yesterday. I get all that. But, but what if the Lord had told you specifically, your time is coming to an end, and if he told you how you were going to die, and if you heard that this death was going to be a torturous death, how would you respond? What would you be feeling? Peter didn't complain. He didn't say, why me? Here's what he says. Look at verse 12 through 15 again. So I will always remind you of these things. 
and I will make every effort, verse 15, to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. A second key thought here is Peter, he had a focus, a passion, and a purpose in his final days. Peter is saying, the the focus, the, the passion, the purpose that I have in these short days is to make sure that you remember, to make sure that you can recall when I am God, gone, that you can know God, that you can follow him on your own, that you don't have to have me to follow God. Now, what I want us to notice in this passage is what Peter wants to do with his final moments in life. What is it that you want to do with your final moments? What is it that is important to you? What would you do if you were told you had a short time left? What would you do? Is it plan a trip, travel the world, run up the credit card debt because you're not going to be here to deal with it? What would you do if you were told you had a short time left? I think for those of us who are parents, those of us who are grandparents, this is one of those truths that we should long for, that when we are gone, our kids and our grandchildren could know how to follow God on their own. In other words, could it be that we could have a single focus and a single passion and a single purpose to pass on to our kids and our grandkids To see that we are to help others become independently dependent upon God. Our culture says to be a good parent, you teach your child to be self-sufficient. I don't think that's what the Christian parent is called to do. The most important thing for the Christian parent and Christian grandparent to pass on is to help them be independently of us, dependent on God. What would it look like for your child, for your grandchild, to have a relationship with Jesus apart from you, independent of you, but totally dependent on God? They knew what it meant to walk with Jesus, to talk with Jesus, to hear from Jesus. What would it be like? That was the most important thing. What would it look like if it could be their relationship being about them and Jesus, but not about us? Could we say... You don't need me anymore. You have Jesus. You have the very Spirit of God in you. Go and follow and be obedient to Him. You see, this is what he said. I'm going to make every effort to make sure that you know the most important thing. We haven't even got to it in the Scripture. We'll get to that in a minute. But I just want us to to, to see how important this was for Peter so when we get to it we can decide is it important to us or not. But, But it was so important to him. So important to him. He had to pass it on. This was his purpose. So I ask you, what are you focused on? What are you passionate about? What is your purpose in your final days? It's interesting to me that when we talk about the Word of God and the love for the Word of God, it seems to me that some of us, we're more passionate about who brings us the Word of God than the very Word of God itself. We're more interested in in who's proclaiming and who's teaching and what format and their personality and their giftings than than the very Word of God itself. I'm not just hollering at you. I'm talking to myself. 
And, and I get that there's certain personalities and giftings that, that connect with us and those kind of things. But am I more excited to hear my favorite person on the podcast? Am I more excited to hear that favorite person who I, I've showed up to, to hear them speak? Or am I, am I more excited to hear the very voice of God in this word? One of my greatest fears in ministry is that there will be someone who gets confused that they really need to hear what Brady has to say. God, help us. Who cares what I have to say? That would be a good place for someone to say amen. But before you get too excited about that, you've heard me say it before. Who really cares what you have to say either? Not know my heart. I, I want to know what you have to say, and I know you want to know what I have to say, but not in comparison to what God's Word says. And he says, Peter says, this is the most important thing. I've told you, you've heard, you're living by it, but I'm going to tell you again. As long as I'm living in the tent of this body before I die, you have to know this. So when I am gone, you will know you don't need me to have relationship with God. You have Jesus. You have the very Spirit of God. That's what he's getting ready to say. But God help us. Are we more focused on who presents it than we are on what is being presented? What about worship? Are are we more focused on the atmosphere of the room, the decor, the song selection, what instruments are being used, than the very worship of God himself? I think of the words of David Platt, who shared about his experience where he was convicted, he went on a missions trip, and he was there in a culture that wasn't his own. It didn't feel comfortable to him, but he was noticing how the people would so quickly move into vibrant worship of Jesus. And as he retells his uh, account, his experience, he talks about how they didn't have any of the things that he had at home, but they had this simple paper picture of, of a depiction of Christ. None of us really know what Jesus looked like, but it's what they thought Jesus looked like. And they would tape that up on the wall, and they had just a few pages of a Bible, and they would just read them. There was no, you know, exhortation with all this. They would just read these simple pages of Scripture, and the room would erupt in praise to Jesus. And as David tells his story, he said, it was so convicting for me of all the things that me and my people back home had to have to get into a place of celebratory worship for Jesus. Oh, the temperature had to be right. Ever try to have church in 50-degree room or 78-degree room? The lights had to be just right, dim enough that I could focus, light enough so I could see. The music had to be just right to stir my emotion but not make me too inquisitive, keep me right. All these things had to line up. The stars had to be perfect and the smoke and the lights and the mirrors and all the other things that had to be right. He said, God, help us. Is it about Jesus or is it about something else? This is what Peter says. It's the most important thing. Don't miss it. What are you passing on in your faith? You may not be a parent. You may not be a grandparent. There's somebody who watches you. See, no, Brady, I don't have influence like that. You are wrong. There is somebody watching you. You are passing on something to them of your faith. What are you telling them by your life, by your words, by your action? What is the most important thing that you are passing on? You see, what if if we came and gathered like this just to experience Jesus? What if nobody who came after us would experience Jesus at the level or intensity except at what we experienced him? What would the world be like if people just followed our pattern, our example? That changes everything for me. 
If I begin to think about my relationship with Jesus in that way, it changes everything. It becomes a very important thing. Now, I, I, I uh, got it halfway out in first service. We'll see what happens now. I, I feel prompted to talk about a subject that I, I know is kind of sensitive, but I'd rather be obedient than, than, than not. But um, I'm perplexed by this American concept of retirement. I just want to start, I want to be real sensitive here. And and in all seriousness, I have tremendous respect for people who have lived life longer than myself. I I, I mean that. I need you. I'm banking on you help me being a better parent at stages that you've been through before you've done that. I have great respect for those who have lived longer than I have. So this is not a shot at anybody who's, who's in another generation. But, but I, I, I wouldn't be obedient to the Lord if I didn't talk about what I feel like he wants me to talk about in this area of, of retirement. Our culture tells us that, that it's so important to retire and work hard your whole life so you can come to that day where you can just enjoy your final days doing whatever it is you want to do. It may be about fishing. It may be about shopping. It may be about whatever hobby or those kind of things. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not saying it's sinful to retire. Not at all. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's lack of faith to save. Not at all. In fact, I'd say it's the other way around. We should save. That's not what I'm saying. But the culture's addiction to this concept and an idea of retirement that I've put in my time. I've paid my dues. And now I get to live for me. I've raised my kids. I've helped the business. I've taught in those schools. But now is my time. And what surprises me and saddens me and concerns me is when this world's philosophy of retirement begins to invade the church and Christians and we begin to find final moments of our life and we're more preoccupied with enjoying our final days. It's not bad to have enjoyment. It's not bad to have joy. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's fun. But but am I consumed in my final days with getting in the Winnebago and fishing for the rest of my days or riding bicycles or whatever it is that would light your fire? Is that what consumes us? Or is there a most important thing? See, in the final days, Peter said, This is what I live and breathe for. I've got to tell you. I've told you over and over again. I've got to pass on before I leave this tent of a body. This is what is important. You see, I don't understand the Christian who has lived their life for Jesus and they come down to their final days. And it almost sometimes can seem by our world standard that we're more preoccupied with our own comfort and and what it is that we get to do than being prepared for the moment of standing before our Lord and Savior. Now hear me. It may just be youthful, naive ignorance. And I ask for your grace and love, if it is. But it's my prayer that when I reach the stage of life, oh, we should save. Oh, it's not wrong to stop collecting a paycheck and to have a different pace of life. But God help me, when do I retire from being a carrier of the Great Commission? When do I retire from being a worshiper of the King? When do I stop following a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit? When do I stop living daily for His agenda, not my agenda? I'm telling you, friend, I don't know if it fits with the gospel picture of Christianity. Now, let's swing that around the other side before we get all excited. There's a lot of us in this room who are not at retirement. 
And we can go, preach it, Brady. Tell Grandma and Grandpa what they need. Come on, tell them. Peter had a life of telling the people around him over and over and over and over what was important. When he reached his final days, he didn't say, hey, I've got something to tell you I've never said. I've got something to tell you. I've been too busy in my career to talk about. I've got something to tell you that, that only old people can say. He said, you've been hearing me say it over and over again. And here's what I love about Peter. I'm so thankful Jesus told him. He messed it up all the time. If there's anybody in Scripture who said dumb things, wrong timing, tried to do it in his own strength, tried to help Jesus out in ways that didn't need help, it was Peter. And look, he says, I finally... I've got this most important thing. And I, I've been telling you, and I've got to tell you. So it starts now. Don't wait till retirement to then start passing it on. It starts now. So what is the focus? What is the passion? What is the purpose that Peter had? Finally, let's look at the scripture, verse 16 and 18. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is his big aha. This is the most important thing. We did not tell you about cleverly invented stories, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This isn't some made-up stuff. This isn't, you know, we believe in God, but we kind of had to fudge this to kind of make it have a rhythm and a rhyme and kind of make it and fake it till you make it kind of a thing. No, 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 no. We saw it. We witnessed the majesty of God. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and when we were with him on that sacred mountain. Peter has already told them, they've listened, they've followed, he's telling them again. He felt so passionate, so full of focus and purpose. This was the main thing. Faith was not and cleverly invented stories. Church, I'm afraid that sometimes we get so wrapped up with the world calling the Bible false and we label that the enemy that we don't look at the other side of people saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I'm a Christian. But we have another way of these cleverly made up stories. We talk about this as a book of exceptions, not a book of examples. Well, this is what God did once at that time for those people. That's a very dangerous line. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus didn't give us his word so we could read about what he did once. He never does again. This is who he is, what he has done, what he is doing again. You see, Peter was confident that his confidence was not in cleverly invented stories, but in his own relationship with Jesus, what he had seen and what he had heard from the Lord himself. That's it. That's the most important thing. He had been with Jesus. He said, friends, we have been with Jesus, and it changed everything. It's not our idea about him. It's not other people's opinions about him. It's not how we try to make him more palatable to people so it can be, you know, kind of cool. Let's get Jesus cool so everybody would like Jesus. Hey, hey, I'm speaking about what I have seen and heard, he says. That's the most important thing. I have found a power in my authentic experience with Jesus. Let that be your foundation. That's what his dying words were. That's what his passion was. And he goes on to his final part of this section in the final part of our message today, verse 19 through 21. And we have the word of the prophets 
made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Look at verse 20. Above all, the most important thing, exclamation point, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, Peter is emphasizing his confidence in the Scriptures not being from man or from woman, but being from God himself. He says, hey, when we talk about our experience with Jesus, it's what we've seen and we've heard. But hey, I even have more confidence. We have the Scriptures. And this is not just what some man or woman thought in their interpretation. This was breathed by the very Spirit of God Himself. These authors were carried by the very Spirit of God speaking to us. And he says, I've told you about it. You've heard me. You've followed it. You're rooted in it. But never forget, this is what it's about relationship with Jesus, hearing from him, talking to him in prayer, hearing from him in the word. See, when you read the scriptures, you are hearing from God himself. What's the most important thing to you? As the band comes and we get ready to close, I ask you these final questions. What is the foundation of your faith? What do you build your faith on? What's it rest on? You know, I think sometimes we can be so concerned about answering skeptics' questions that we can have such a hunger for apologetics to give all these answers to these things. And, and there's a place for apologetics. Don't misunderstand me. They can be helpful. We don't have to come to the Lord with a blind faith. as an intellectual faith. But, but I'm afraid sometimes we try to find this the most clever logic or the best way to phrase something that we're helping God out, we're defending Him in some way. And, and, and I'm concerned that what our real reason for our hope that we have may be in our own logic. What I understand, what I can grasp, what I can see, what I can study, what I can do. And that's not hope. I'm afraid that some of us, the reason for our hope is, well, that's what mom and dad taught me. That's, that's what the church taught me. Friend, I'm thankful for the tribe that God has put me in. I love the church of the Nazarene, but my hope is not in the church of the Nazarene. I love Grace Point, but my hope is not in Grace Point. That's, a, that's not a hope. But any answer other than Jesus for the reason the hope that we have falls short. And so Peter is saying, hey, the most important thing, soon I'm going to step out of this body. I'm going to move on. But you have to remember that you too can have a relationship with Jesus. You too can be an eyewitness of what he has said and done in your life. You too can hold the scriptures and have confidence that what God is saying to you in scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit. That is your foundation. It's not cleverly invented stories. It's not man's interpretation. Some of us here today, the hope is in finding a more solid foundation. Maybe you've been just kind of checking out Christianity or God. This is a safe place. I'm glad you're here. But it could, everything could change for you today. If you come to the place where you move into a relationship with Jesus, if you'd like to do that today, Carrie and I, my wife and I are going to be hanging out up front here. We'd love to talk with you about it. This could be the best day of your life. But for an overwhelming majority in this room, the second question, who who and what 
are you passing on? Who are you passing your faith on to and what are you passing on? Are you just teaching your kids or your grandkids or your siblings, your friends? Are you just passing on to them that, that you are a religious person, that, that you go to church so many times, or that, that you don't chew and smoke and drink or go with girls that do or whatever those things are? I mean, that, that's all, those rules are helpful to us, I guess. But, but are we passing anybody? It's about Jesus. Are we passing anybody about, about what's happening in the heartbeat or what he's saying? Well, I'd I just like to do good works in the world, and I want to help people who need help. That's good. If you have Jesus in your heart, you'll be led to help people. But you know what? The world helps people. Is there a reason for the hope? What are you passing on? I got news for you. You don't have as much time left as you think you do. And neither do I. It's not reason to fret and worry and to say, Oh, my goodness, I hoped I had saved more by this stage in life. I hope that I could have had more freedom at this stage in life. Jesus told Peter, hey, you had so much freedom when you were young. Guess what? It's going to cost you everything at the end. It's going to be worth it. Would you stand with me, church? Jesus, I thank you for the great listening that my brothers and sisters have given to your word, great attention to your word. And I ask now, Lord, that anything that I have said that is distracting from what you're wanting to say to my brother and sister, would you let it fall quickly from their ears? Lord, would you help us filter out? We want pure Jesus. We don't want anything from Brady. We want stuff from you. I thank you, Lord, as we've sung about your great love for us, the great hope that we have in relationship with you. Lord, would you help us to have our own encounters, things that we've seen with our eyes, we've heard with our own ears, things that we've seen in your word that you've spoken to us. They're not cleverly invented stories. It's not somebody else's interpretation. It's not faith off the coattails of someone else around us, but it is our own relationship with you, Jesus. And Lord, would you begin to show us who is in our circle of influence that we could pass this on to. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. As you take off today, I want to let you know the next couple of weeks together as a church, we're going to be looking at what God is calling us to do to get out of here. Because part of what we're passing on is to somebody in this room, but there's a whole bunch of people that we may not even know yet that desperately need this. As you go today, go in the blessing of obedience to his word. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.